the perspective that boredom itself is negative, that boredom is a bad thing that you should run away from, mm -hmm. does a huge disservice to being able to access what's available there for you. But there's a deep richness coming from the inside of each person that you don't actually don't access if you're dealing with immediate all the mm. time. And as a child, that's a little bit easier. As a younger person, that's a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. And at least so far in my 30 years, it just gets busier yeah. as you go. And I yes. expect that that pattern continues. And we're live. And we're live. At some point, we do need to name this thing. And uh, since we last had a sit-down recording session, was that yesterday? Two days, I think. Two days ago. We feel a little bit closer to a name. What are we going to call this podcast for now? And why are we calling it that? Our name, drumroll. The damn good drumroll. Thanks. Nap time sessions. Because we are recording during nap time. Because we have a loud baby. Enough said. <laughs> The last of the coffee. Cooked coffee. Mm -hmm. I haven't really enjoyed coffee today because uh, it'll, this will be conversation for another episode, but trying to uh, cut down on my oat milk consumption because I just love that vegetable oil flavor. And um, the alternatives, including milk and half and half, just don't excite me like oat milk does. It's a, it's a Very little there. excites you like oat milk does. This is true. You get amped about oat milk. I mean, it's like the ultimate cozy, delicious thing. Just oatly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Chobani. I think that's a baby sound. That's a baby sound. Okay, I'll go put him to sleep, and then we talk about Lent. Shall we? Let's. Okay, so we are trying to cut back on television during Lent, and particularly in the evenings, because it's become a little bit of a habit for us. But it's been really cool the last week, especially as we're starting this podcast how much more emotional space we have for each other and different activities. I have been trying to paint a little bit more, but I've become inspired to do some painting and there's a bunch of books that I've been wanting to read and I realized we have libraries. I can literally just check them out at the library, bring them home, read them at night, send them back and not have to store them. There's all of the space that's been created in our life in the last few days, even just by taking some of the shows out. I honestly think it's such an amazing way to just access it's not actually accessing boredom, mm. but the absence of boredom in baseline that's just constantly being filled by either media or TV shows is just such an easy default, but it doesn't actually allow you to access that next level of intention or creativity or all those things. Would you talk about your perspective on boredom? Mm. I would love to. <laughs> I think boredom is an amazing topic rather than the negative thing that I feel like people or the culture or whatever often put onto it. It's actually a resource growing up, there was a rule that basically you didn't say the word bored. I would never say that I was bored. It wasn't that you would get in trouble for being bored, but you were allowed to be what we would label as bored. Miserable because you're eight and you don't know what to do and you don't know what to do about it. But if you were to ever say that you were bored, you'd just be given a chore to do. Mm -hmm. Like if you're so bored that you want to do laundry, you're absolutely welcome to do that. Yeah. If I were to go up to my mom and say, hey, I'm bored. It wasn't a problem that she felt that she needed to solve with coming up with an entertaining thing for you to do, it just turned into, excellent, you're bored, that means that you have nothing else that you would rather do right now than laundry. And it wasn't <laughs> so much that she was like trying to get free labor as looking back, I think it was an intentional way to push you into back into that space where you actually are like searching for the thing that you want to do. Mm. And so I think as a, like a young child, there's a lot of positive developmental things about that. But then also I think it pushed me into a space where I was actually like searching for what my heart was desiring. And I think like that carries over 
as an adult into like calling and passions and all these different mm. things. So now as an adult, I look at boredom as something that I don't actually experience very often, but it's actually a place where creativity comes out of, where like soul searching and a lot of like profound new things come out of, but I don't ever get to access those things if I'm operating entirely on a surface level where I never have a moment where, man, I don't know what to do. And I'm going to not turn to the three immediate feedback options that I have. I know I'm someone that tends very much toward, oh, there's a moment of stillness. I should do 14 things in that moment of stillness. Mm -hmm. And I think (laughs) that leads to me being a very productive or a productivity directed person but then also it means that in a moment of rest it's like oh i could pull out my phone and i could either scroll aimlessly or i could write a bunch of drafts for instagram posts going forward or all these different things but it really is like the creative space there is like an empty gap in what you're doing with your life and you have the option to either think of it as empty or sit in it for a while and wait for inspiration to just start bubbling up. And it, it does because mm-hmm. that's that's how we are like designed. The perspective that boredom itself is negative, that boredom is a bad thing that you should run away from, mm-hmm. does a huge disservice to being able to access what's available there for you. But there's a deep richness coming from the inside of each person that you don't actually don't access if you're dealing with immediate all the mm. time. As a child, that's a little bit easier. As a younger person, that's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And at least so far in my 30 years, it just gets busier yeah. as you go. And I yeah. expect that that pattern continues. So it necessitates more and more intentional time to push away from the things that fill your time or fill the margins. A lot of things come out of boredom that I really need in my life to have balance. I love your perspective on that so much. When we were first dating and I was living by myself, was probably the first time that I ever facilitated empty space for myself because I had a huge family and so there was always stuff going on. You didn't really experience boredom once you were in high school. (laughs) But I think you gave me language to what I would do naturally when I had space and time to myself where I wouldn't even necessarily call it boredom. I would just say that I have like a rich inner life where even just the empty quiet time creates inspiration for me. That's an interesting perspective to hear the same thing from because for me, sitting in quiet is actually very uncomfortable. Mm, I love it. (laughs) I don't like not doing things. Yeah. It probably doesn't have to look as intentional for everyone else as it does for me Mm. where I actually have to intentionally go into the sitting quiet mode from where you're coming from. It sounds like it's referred to as negative, but you actually experience it as positive, and so you step into it, yeah. feeling that it's positive. Yeah. And my experience is actually conceptually, I hear that it's negative, physically and mentally, emotionally, in the moment. You also experience it as negative. Yes. So interesting. And then dig into it anyway. What comes out of it is positive. Mm, that's so interesting. I think I'm overusing the word boredom. How do you feel like what we've been talking about so far ties into? Lent season or this opportunity to have fewer um, TV shows in the evening. Yeah. Um, I think the TV show was equivalent to a child walking up to their mother and saying, I'm bored, and the mother going and finding something for them to do. It's not inherently wrong. It's not bad, really. But it is not allowing the child to flex the muscle. That gives them inspiration. I think it's pacifying me as a person to know that I have permission to just sit down and watch shows as long as I want to after the baby goes to bed. And there's a lot more in life to do than watch other people live it. So I think it's creating space for boredom and no easy way out. 
I think sometimes we just need a little push and it's a, it's a good push for me. If we were to choose that, boredom is no longer the optimal word for that mm. sensation or that feeling. If I was going to reframe the word boredom to what I mean now. Yeah. I think I would just call it empty space. It's just space that doesn't have anything on the agenda. And either you sit in that, in the discomfort or the joy of that, or you come up with something that you're inspired to do. Empty space. How do you want to approach the concept of boredom when you're raising a child? Oh boy. Um, I love the way you talk about what your mother did with boredom. I don't have any issue with offering a chore. And if the child wants to do the chore, awesome. But I, I don't think that it is the parent's responsibility to entertain their children. And I don't think the children need that. And I think that when that becomes my job as a parent, my child doesn't learn self-sufficiency in a lot of ways. And then as a parent, if I am solving that perceived issue for my child, I get stuck in this attitude of having to fix everything for them. And I don't think that as parents, our role is to fix everything for our children. I think it's to help guide them into understanding how to resolve issues for themselves. Sometimes that means teaching and showing, and sometimes that just means giving them a safe environment in which to struggle through it. It's so interesting to look back on like my life. Not because my life is so amazing, but that's, that's the one I had <laughs> firsthand experience with. And yeah. so I get to look at, back on it as kind of a test subject. There are so many things that I didn't see value in in the moment. Mm but have actually shaped who I am. So I grew up way out in the country, homeschooled, went to church a couple times a week, but that was most of the... Activity. Yeah, that was most of the like socialization with people even close to my age. Mm-hmm. Then most of the time I was either interacting with adults or on my own. And I had a few, couple siblings, so there's like interaction there. Mm-hmm. But there were large periods of time where it wasn't great weather to be doing things outside after 4 p.m. because it was dark and it was 30 below zero. You live in Minnesota. I lived in Minnesota (laughs) and I lived on a farm. And so I read books because it was empty space. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't just being spoon-fed things to fill empty space. Mm -hmm. In the absence of being spoon-fed something, I would walk over to the bookshelf and be like, well, Mm -hmm. I could read one of these. Mm-hmm. And so there's literally just like sections of years of my life where I read insane numbers of books. I was reading like children's encyclopedias, like 20 volume encyclopedias that I had memorized before I realized it was in alphabetical order. I could tell you where <laughs> stuff was in the children's encyclopedias. And I think to a certain person that would be a fairly negative experience. Mm. But at least for me, it was this huge building block that allowed me to have an understanding of literature and an understanding of like what good writing was and all these things like storytelling and all these different components. So many things under the surface you don't even know about. Right. Then like same thing with like music where there were points of my life when I was like 13, 14 years old and I was literally playing guitar four hours a day. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because I had no other possible hobby It was because of the things that were available to me, it was the most interesting thing, and I was passionate about it, and so I chased after that passion. Yeah. I'm able to reap the benefits now as a 30-year-old where I don't actually play these instruments very often, but Mm -hmm. I can actually go back to a well of having spent an insane number of hours investing in something that was highlighted in the moment. I think it carries over to many of the things of like how the Holy Spirit leads yes. through life. Like I certainly wasn't yeah. aware of it back then, but I look back now over the last 10, 20 years of my life and I can see different points where I was just going 
all in on something that was highlighted another 10 years, 20 years down the road, I look back and I'm actually pulling from that resource that I right. created or like invested in at that time. So yeah, I look, I look back and like that empty space is not just, well, at least I didn't get hooked on video games. <laughs> it's actually like I was being given the opportunity to invest, right? but invest in a way that was intrinsically motivated. Right. And so then I was actually like on a very surface level or a very, uh, like a subconscious level, I was investing in what was highlighted to me at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was like establishing these deep wells of yeah. like resource and um, experience. It's really interesting to me that you have no end to ideas of what you would love to spend your life and time doing. And I feel like it must come out of you have already invested so much time digging those things out of yourself. Like you have this incredible capacity as an artist, this incredible capacity as a musician, now as an editor and a nurse, obviously. How many of us never take the time to dig our own well? And so there's no water coming up. And so we're stuck in this idea of like, I just have to do something to pay the bills. I don't know what inspires me and I don't have time to figure it out because I have bills to pay. How many things are inside of each person that we've just never gotten deep enough in the dirt to find? It's one of the reasons that I'm wanting to keep the conversation about kids' activities and sports open for discussion to not actually have them in very many of those. When we have our kids in preschool from age four and then kindergarten, first grade, grade school, junior high, high school, and all of the activities that come with that, those are all good things. But when we don't have the margin and the space for boredom, for creativity, for learning relational dynamics, or even just sitting in your thoughts, we're not actually giving our our children an opportunity to learn themselves because everything is constantly a stimulus. How many of us don't have as good an understanding of who we are as people because we've never had the opportunity to learn us? I think many of us could have a much deeper understanding of who we are, what brings us joy, if we actually were given less to do, entertained less. I think that's so good. That's that's actually a really good kind of like a question point for me because sports were something that mm-hmm. weren't really available just based on a few different circumstances mm-hmm. growing up and something that I think I probably would have excelled in mm-hmm. and definitely at the time felt like was missing from my life. Right. And got to a certain place like when I was in college and then even after college where I've had opportunities to be in team sports mm-hmm. and reaping amazing benefit from the team sport aspect of it mm-hmm. and seeing how that could be so beneficial to development and growing through right. like teenage oh, years sure. and all these different things. Yeah. But I think it's really, really important, especially in that conversation, but even just in general, to not overlook those years through like adolescence and like early teenagehood. What an incredible resource those are for an opportunity to dig into really subtle passions. Mm. Later in life, there's just less and less time, less and less margin, and more and more things that you actually have access to. Those moments of opportunity to dig into what isn't immediately in your face are more and more seldom or actually more and more difficult to do. Mm -hmm. And so because of how my parents approached that concept, I was able to spend time on things that actually weren't necessarily, they, they wouldn't have been my first choice of what to do. Interesting. Because I would have rather played football or mm-hmm. rather played a video game or rather had someone else come up with something for me to do. Right. But because I had so little actual obligation, I think there's an opportunity to approach those years as a space where we can dive deep with little consequence on things that don't necessarily have a huge strong pull and we couldn't necessarily 
lay out all the things that it will connect to. If I pursue that same level of inspiration as a 30 year old Mm -hmm. with a job and family and bills, I can't spend four hours a day learning to play an instrument. I can't spend half of every day wandering through the woods, learning skills or memorizing the flight patterns of birds. I think as adults, we're in a lot of ways limited to only being able to invest in the things that actually have a tangible return on investment. Mm -hmm. It's just something that's really cool to keep in mind going into raising children, that you can actually create a bank of those experiences that can then carry over into the hood. And so this is the conclusion of today's session where we kind of awkwardly finish after nap time. That's and right. so there are extra people involved. Turns out our uh, our name is quite appropriate. Mm-hmm. So we'll do our best to keep these two actual nap time sessions. <laughs> Any final thoughts, my man? <laughs>